that this time will go before our king with praises and prayers. On my list, I have, I'll continue to pray for our brother Tim and Kathy. Pray, Lord, that you would be strengthened. sister
the, uh, hopefully the dementia, you said that maybe if she sees better, then that would help her uh, in the regard of uh, understanding what's going on around her. Uh, see. Ken Wilson, uh, any update on Ken? traveling uh, to this warmer climate, so pray for them as they travel. Anybody else or anything else you want to say to Ken? Let's take these things before our Lord in prayer, thanking him for the many blessings that come, laying before him these requests on behalf of our brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Lord God, King Eternal, we come before you acknowledging that you are our creator and our sustainer. Uh, you are the author of our salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, if we had nothing else in this world except that, it's enough to bow down before you, offer you praises for everything that you've done. Lord God, you have been gracious to us. You have provided us with families. You've provided us with food and shelter and jobs. Lord God, even the air that we breathe and, and the food that we eat, we, we thank you for these many, many mercies. Lord, we thank you for your love and your kindness to us. You have provided a, this church family with many things. Uh, you've answered our prayers in many instances. And we uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, you heard our cries. That uh, once again, you have stepped in. Even before we offer these prayers up, you know the desires of our heart. You know the needs of our lives. So, Lord God, we come before you to uh, praise and honor you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to pray once again for our brother Tim and Kathy. We ask, Lord, that you would bring that blood pressure down and help relieve him of those migraines. Lord, we've been praying for those migraines for years, that you would bring relief. And we will continue to request that on behalf of our brother. Give Kathy the patience and the strength to minister to him as, as he needs it. We pray, Lord, that uh, one day soon he'll, both of them will be back among us. We ask you, Lord, to be with Donna as she continues to recover from her knee surgery. We thank you, Lord, that this was a success. That she's enduring some pain. And, and Lord God, we pray that you would uh, show her the progress that she's making in that regard. And that she, too, would be back among us shortly. Be with the Smith family, Lord. We, we know that they're going through a trial right now, but we, it's good news to hear that they uh, know that God is good. And God has shown mercy and love to them. And uh, so, Lord, we pray as uh, that family is recovering, 
that you would minister to them through your Holy Spirit. Uh, even this day, on uh, this Sabbath day, that they might gather together as a family uh, to offer up thanks and, and praise. I'll be with our sister Beth as she's away. We thank you for the time that she was here last week. We pray that uh, you would be with her as she continues this internship. That, Lord, you would uh, relieve her of any the homesickness and weariness that she has. And that you would draw near to her and that she might find her comfort in you. We pray for this little baby Gus and the parents. Uh, Lord God, we call this a miracle uh, that the mother was able to hold the child. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the doctors have been able to thus far uh, use knowledge that you have given them to uh, sustain this little life. We pray that for full recovery, Lord, that he might someday grow up and realize that it was God who healed him. Be with uh, Julia and the uh, Bachmeyer family, Lord. Uh, sounds like they're all down in sickness. We pray, Lord, for recovery there. Uh, bring Julie back among us. and uh, We pray, Lord, that you would uh, minister to her. Be with Les, uh, Cliff's friend. We pray, Lord, that uh, his uh, will be a full recovery that, Lord, at this time you would draw close to him and he would realize that uh, there is a great God, a great physician. Um, Lord, uh, open his eyes to the, to the things of Christ, we pray. We pray for his salvation. We ask you, Lord, to again be with uh, Carlos' sister. Uh, she faces cataract surgery and we pray, Lord, that she has signs of dementia that uh, her family would gather around her. Lord, they would uh, uphold her. Uh, we ask, Lord, that your intervention would be great in that family. We ask, Lord, as well for Wendy. Uh, we know that she's been dealing with this stomach issues for a while. Uh, Lord, as she seeks a uh, professional uh, specialist, we ask that uh, you would give him wisdom, uh, grant to them the uh, understanding of the situation, and that they might uh, have a, a remedy that might uh, bring relief uh, to Wendy. We ask as well for Ken Wilson and the, his needs. We pray, Lord, that you would sustain him and uphold him. We thank you for the time that he was among us. Lord God, we ask that you be with us on this, your Sabbath day. We thank you for the time that we can gather around your word. Oh Lord, feed us from that word. Be with the pastor as he's carrying extra burdens today. Pray that you would give him strength, endurance, and uh, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you haven't done so already, turn in your Bibles to Judges <coughs> chapter 20. Judges chapter 20. Last week we were going through some passages that uh, were kind of disturbing in the fact that uh, we had a Levite uh, whose concubine was uh, ravaged and killed and he proceeded to send a message to the other tribes of Israel 
And we started off by saying this social chaos was a result that they have rejected God. Uh, they rejected God's laws, God's commandments. They rejected him as their king. And it was uh, every man doing what was right in his own eyes. And as a result, we had um, social chaos. And we had uh, sexual perversion. Uh, we had uh, apostasy um, rampant throughout the land. draw some parallels to what we're seeing in our land today with sexual perversion. Um, churches are not preaching sin and repentance. People are ignoring God's commands. So there's some direct uh, lessons that we could learn from what was happening during this time and apply it to our own nation and country. So <coughs> we'll Jump in here, I've got a lot to cover. I hope that I can get through it all. So buckle up and hold on tight, here we go. I, I would like to say this lesson's uh, a little bit better than last week, but uh, it deals with a lot of slaughter of people. And so again, the consequences of sin is gonna be very relevant or important as we go through here. So chapter 20, verse one, then all the sons of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, came out and the congregation assembled as one man to the Lord at Mizpah. And the cornerstones of all the people, of all the tribes of Israel, took their stand in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. <coughs> Now the sons of Benjamin heard that the sons of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. And the sons of Israel said, Let us how, tell us how did this wickedness take place. So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came with my concubine to spend the night at Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. But the men of Gibeah rose up against me and surrounded the house at night because of me, and they intended to kill me. Instead, they ravaged my concubine so that she died. And I took hold of my concubine and cut her into pieces and sent her throughout the land of Israel, uh, Israel's inheritance. For they have committed a lewd and disgraceful act in Israel. Behold, all you sons of Israel, give your advice and counsel here. <clears throat> In verse 1, we see the expression there that says, from Dan to Beersheba. And that's another way of expressing the, the fact that from the most northern city, which was Dan, to the most southern city, which was Beersheba, meant that everybody was present, everybody came together, uh, everyone was there. And they drew up in battle array, uh, ready for, uh, with their swords and their shields, and ready to go to war. And in God's providence, 400,000 men were mustered out to defend the 
purity of the land of Israel. And Benjamin heard about this gathering, but uh, did not come, refused to come. Then we hear a testimony by the Levite about what happened. And if you go back to last week, you find that his uh, account was not exactly accurate. Um, you might say his account was tainted a little bit. He glosses over the fact that either he gave his wife to the, to the crowd or the host of the house gave his wife to the crowd. But anyway, he did not stand in the way to defend his wife. He didn't mention that fact. And uh, it says here that they intended to kill him. Well, that they were looking for sexual perversion with him. Um, anyway, it seems like our estimation of this Levite probably went down a notch or two because uh, he wasn't exactly truthful um, when asked to give an account as to what happened here. He was pretty much self-centered, and I think he was more concerned about justice uh, for himself uh, rather than uh, his concern for his wife. That's the way I was reading it. Starting in verse 8, we have what is called an inquest or an inquiry where they investigate uh, what's happening here. Um, so verse 8, Then all the people arose as one man, saying, Not one of us will go to the, our tent, nor will any of us return to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. And we will take ten men out of a hundred throughout the tribes of Israel, and one hundred out of a thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to supply food for the people, that when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, they may punish them for all the disgraceful acts that they have committed in Israel. Thus all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united as one man. Then the tribes of Israel went, sent men to the entire tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has taken place among you? Now, when, <clears throat> now then, deliver us the men, the sons of Belial in Gibeah, that uh, we may put them to death and burn away the wickedness from Israel. But the sons of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the sons of Israel. This idea of offering uh, an inquest or an inquiry, offering a peace, uh, is based on uh, rules of war found in Deuteronomy 20, uh, 10 and 11. Um, pastors preach through that. Um, and it says this, when you march up to attack a city, make his people an offer of peace. And that's what they did here. They said, if you bring out these people, um, we won't go to battle. If they accept and open their gates, all the people in, in it shall be subject to, to forced labor and shall work for you. So that's why they did what they did, based on God's law here in Deuteronomy. 
But the Benjamites uh, stood with the sinful relatives against the Lord. They rejected the peace. They rejected this opportunity. They stood with the sinful people um, that lived among them. It seems as though the Benjamites were more loyal to their tribe than they were to God. Israel says that the wickedness must be burned, verse 13. The Hebrew verb here um, is used for, uh, in conjunction with sacred sacrificial fires and for the purging out of sinners by the death penalty. So when Benjamin refuses to purge out the, uh, the um, thugs, if you will, of Gibeah, the result is a sacrificial torching of that city burning of that city, the destruction by fire of that city, which we'll see in verse 40 as we read on. So verse 14, Benjamin rejects the peace offer. The men of Israel get ready to go to battle, the first battle with, with their brother Benjamin. And the sons of Benjamin gathered from the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the sons of Israel. And from the cities, <coughs> and from the cities on that day, the sons of Benjamin were mustered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who were mustered 700 choice men. And out of all of these people, 700 choice men were left-handed. Each one could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. I don't know if you remember pastor's lessons in Numbers, but we can go back to the book of Numbers, and when the tribes entered the promised land, uh, Benjamin uh, was numbered at 45,600 men. In Numbers uh, 26:41, and here they were able to only mustered out about 26,000. So it seems that the numbers have declined considerably from the time that they entered the Promised Land. And you might say, well, maybe not everybody went out to war. Maybe not all the men uh, took up arms against Israel. But Either way, by the time the battle is over, uh, th there is virtually nobody left in the tribe of Benjamin. So even if they didn't all go out by the end, there's only it's going to be about 600 men in the tribe of Benjamin left. And that becomes a problem that we'll see next week in um, chapter 21. So apparently 26,700 men represented all the men of Benjamin at this point. Gibeah contributed 700 men, and among the whole Benjamite army, there were 700 left-handed slingers. Um, nothing is much more said about these two groups, and I'm not sure why they mentioned the left-handed <coughs> people with the slings, but I found that interesting. So, um, 
they're not mentioned again. So picking up in uh, verse 17, then the men of Israel, besides Benjamin, were mustered, 400,000 men who drew the sword, and all these men were men of war. Now the sons of Israel arose, went up to Bethel, and inquired of God and said, who shall go up first for us to battle against the sons of Benjamin? Then the Lord said, Judah first. So the sons of Israel arose in the morning and camped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel arrayed for battle against them at Gibeah. Then the sons of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and cut down on that day 22,000 men of Israel. <clears throat> if you recall back in Judges 1, uh, Israel inquired of the ephod, just like they have done here. And they asked the God who should go out first in chapter 1, and the, and the same answer is given here in chapter 20, uh, that Judah should go out first. So we cannot uh, miss the point here uh, that the campaign against Benjamin was just like the campaign against the Canaanites back in chapter 1. And <clears throat> Israel is defeated. And when you've got 400,000 men versus 26,000, that's definitely going to be a surprise. Their cause is plainly righteous, yet Benjamin easily defeats them on this first battle. So obviously there's a terrible problem here. And I think it's probably, if you think about it, fairly obvious what that problem is. Anybody want to take a guess at it? Why were they defeated? Exactly. You got it. God is judging Israel along with Benjamin. Yes. All of Israel is generally guilty the same thing as Gibeah and the tribe of Benjamin. All their Levites are failing to preach against sin. They're failing to preach God's law, <coughs> his commandments, and his proclamation. All of them are playing the harlot. They're going after other gods seeking to do what's right in their own eyes. So there's no other reason why they would be defeated in battle except for that. God is judging the whole nation of Israel. So you thought, think, well, maybe they learned their lesson. So they get ready to go back to battle on the second time, starting in verse 22. But the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and arrayed for battle against, again in this place where they had arrayed themselves the first day. And the sons of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening, 
and inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall we again draw near to the battle against the sons of our brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. Then the sons of Israel approached the sons of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went out to meet them from Gibeah the second day, and cut down again 18,000 men of the sons of Israel. All of these drew the sword, and Israel arrayed itself for battle in the place where they had arrayed themselves the first day. So we see him crying out to the Lord, you know, should we go back to battle and do this again? And God said yes, but in the process we saw no repentance on behalf of the nation of Israel. There was no confession of their sin. Uh, there was no admitting that they were guilty. So they once again go into battle. Once again, God brings judgment on the nation itself, and they were defeated. So just after two days of battle, their total loss is 40,000 men. Now they started with 400,000. This meant that a tenth of their people, a tenth of their soldiers had been wiped out. And again, if you know, it's kind of like a tithe um, that we give a tenth to the Lord. Here, God is judging Israel and he takes a tenth of the men away from them. Now you've heard the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, it seems like that's what's happening here with the nation of Israel. Um, doing the same thing over again, but it finally hits home to them. God finally gets to them um, in this judgment. So we see, starting in verse 26, we see a repentance start to come upon the land of Israel. Then all the sons of Israel and all the people went up and came to Bethel and wept. Thus they remained there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, Aaron's son, stood before it and ministered in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the sons of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. So it seems as though that Israel finally got the message. First they fasted until evening. Uh, the new day begins in the evening. And fasting for the remainder of that day was a confession that they were cut off from God's blessings. In this case, the blessing of food. The next thing they did, they sacrificed a burnt offering which symbolized that they were guilty and they deserved to be burned up by God's fire. But by offering this burnt offering, 
they trusted in the substitute that they gave to God. Much like Christ was substituted for us. So they admitted their guilt, saying that we should be the ones that should be punished as well. God, please accept the substitute. Then the sacrificial peace offering. And that symbolized that communion had been restored between the people and God. I mentioned this last week, but here we see again Aaron's grandson uh, was ministering in those days. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of the people believe that these narratives, these events, uh, took place early in the period of the judges. Because Phineas was also uh, ministering in the days of Joshua. Uh, so that's why they believe that these things occurred earlier, uh, not later. So they're getting ready for the third battle. Now the third battle... <coughs> written out here in two segments. It's given it a broad overview and then it goes back and does the same battle in more detail. Uh, it's much like the um, creation story in uh, Genesis where there's a broad uh, introduction of the creation and then later it goes back and gives more detail as to how God went about it. And so that's what we're finding here as we get ready to go to battle for the third time We'll look at the first account here, and then we'll give some more detail afterwards. So Israel set men in ambush around Gibeah. And the sons of Israel went up against the sons of Benjamin on the third day and arrayed themselves against Gibeah as the other times. So we see here a difference their approach. Israel does not position themselves like they did the first two days. They set up an ambush. But Benjamin continues to do attack. You know, it worked the first day, it worked the second day. Let's try it again the third time. So their approach to the battle will be the same. Israel uses the tactic it used in defeating the Canaanites at the city of Ai back in Joshua chapter 8. Just as Israel had been defeated initially at Ai because there was sin in the camp, so Israel was initially defeated by Benjamin. Just as the men at Ai knew all was lost when they turned around and saw that the city was aflame, the same thing is going to happen here with Benjamin in the city of Gibeah. So we see a parallel here between the Benjaminites and, uh, and the Canaanites. And we see this parallel being worked out as to they're going to be treated the same way. Their punishment is going to be the same thing as the Canaanites were. So by acting like the Canaanites, they're going to be treated accordingly to the punishment.
punishment that God handed down to those same Canaanites. Verse 31. And the sons of Benjamin went out to meet the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike and kill some of the people as at other times on the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. In the field, about 30 men of Israel. And the sons of Benjamin said, They are struck down before us as at, as at the first. But the sons of Israel had said, Let us flee, that we may draw them away from the city to the highways. Then all the men of Israel arose from their place and arrayed themselves as Baal Tamar. And the men of Israel in ambush broke out to their place, even out of the meadow of Gibeah. When 10,000 choice men from all of Israel came against Gibeah, the battle became heavy, but, the Benja but Benjamin did not know that evil was touching them or that disaster was close by. 35, and the Lord struck Benjamin before Israel so that the sons of Israel destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day, all who drew the sword. And 36, so the sons of Benjamin saw that they were smitten. We'll stop in the middle of that, pick it up here in a minute. So we see that Benjamin started off with 26,000 men plus 700 from the city of Gibeah. And on that third day, 25,100 men fell. After the battle was over, 600 were left. We'll see that in verse 47. <clears throat> so this leaves about 1,000 men unaccounted for. We may assume that uh, they died in the first two battles. It's not clear uh, whether Israelites died at all in the third, third battle here. It may be that Israel lost no men at all in this battle. We don't know. It's, it doesn't say. But we do say that these 30 men offered themselves as sacrifices in order to uh, uh, spring the trap, spring the ambush for the rest of the army. So a full brigade of 10,000 men of Israel took possession of Gibeah once the Benjaminite army had been lured out, drawn out into the open fields. So at this point, the account breaks off and we are simply given the theological summary of the battle. The Lord was the one who defeated Benjamin with the result of 25,100 Benjaminites dying the Lord who defeated Benjamin. Before I get into detail of that battle, any comments so far, any thoughts about what's transpiring here? You see God's handiwork in this and uh, God's judgment Rachel asked that we pray for our country on Wednesday night. We 
we see the same sexual perversion apostasy happening in our land. Okay, so we'll pick it up here. The writer of the uh, Judges uh, tells the story of the battle a second time. He gives more details here, showing how Israel uh, did the Lord's work. In the second telling of the story, it will be made clear exactly how the Lord struck Benjamin. So we pick it up at 36 uh, in the middle of this verse where we left off. When the men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin because they relied on the men in ambush from they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush hurried and rushed against Gilead. The men in ambush also deployed and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the adjoining sign, appointed sign, uh, was that they should make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city. Then the men of Israel turned in the battle, and Benjamin began to strike and kill about 30 men of Israel. For they said, surely they are smitten before us, as on the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, Benjamin looked behind them. Behold, the whole burnt sacrifice of the city was going up to heaven. Scripture here tells us that the Lord struck Benjamin. Uh, this could mean a couple of things. It could mean that he put fear in their hearts and strengthened the hearts of the uh, Israelites, strengthened the arms of the army. Also, however, it means something very specific. Just when Benjamin thought once again that they had won another battle, they turned around and saw Gibeah going up in smoke. But the Hebrew used uh, and this and the Hebrew use of the word here for whole burnt sacrifice. Gibeah became a whole burnt sacrifice to the Lord. The whole city and everything in it. Now, some people have asked whether this action uh, had the Lord's approval. In actuality, what it meant was that Israel was conducting a holy civil war against the tribe of Benjamin in the city of Gibeah. And it meant that everything and everybody in that city was going to be slaughtered. So, does that action have the Lord's approval? So from the reading of this passage, it seems to me that it does have the Lord's approval. First of all, the Lord had guaranteed them victory when they consulted him uh, through the ephod back at the tabernacle in Bethel. And second, the parallel between the burning of Gibeah and the statement in verse 35 that it was the Lord who struck Benjamin, it seems to me that uh, that it's quite clear that the burning of Gibeah was God's means for bringing judgment upon those people. 
judges, we, we spoke about the word Hormon. Um, and that was where the whole city was sacrificially burnt as a burnt offering. Um, the city of Gibeah was clearly, when you think about it, a second Sodom, if you will. It had sexual perversions like Sodom, Sodom, and it had religious apostasy. And in Genesis 19, 24, and verses 28, uh, 24 and 28, we read that God rained fire down on Sodom. And that, that lost Lot saw that the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke from the kiln. Sodom was the first city, or Hormah, the first city to be burned as a, uh, by fire from heaven. So it's entirely fitting that Gibeah received the same treatment since they were guilty of the same sins. And we see here there's also a parallel with the defeat at Ai in Joshua 8. Ai was burned up as a whole burnt offering or sacrifice to the Lord. And later, the city of Jericho was the same thing. So we can see that God had used this in previous times to bring judgment upon uh, sinful people. By offering a whole burnt sacrifice on God's altar, Israel had confessed its sin and had put their faith in the substitute back in verse 26. But as a result, they were not consumed by this sacrifice, this uh, hormone. But Benjamin, however, had rejected the substitute, and as a result, they were destroyed. Any thoughts, comments about whether this was the right thing to do?
Let's see if I can get through this. Verse 41. Then the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were terrified, for they saw that evil was touching them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel toward the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them, while those who came out of the cities destroyed them in the midst of the <coughs> They surrounded Benjamin, pursued them without rest, and trod them down opposite of Gilead uh, toward the sunrise. Thus 18,000 men of Benjamin fell, and these were valiant warriors. And they turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Rimmon. But they gleaned 5,000 of them on the highways and overtook them at Gideon and smote 2,000 of them. So all of Benjamin who fell that day was were 25,000 who drew the sword and all that were valiant warriors. But 600 men turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Rimon, and there remained at the rock of uh, Rimon four months. So we see here 10,000 men of Israel captured Gibeah. The remaining 350,000 men of the army attacked the other Benjamites. And the, ben <coughs> the Benjamin's army fled towards the wilderness and they were cut down as they went. Initially, 18,000 were slain, uh, the same number that Israel lost on the first day, on the day before, rather. At the end of the battle, the number of dead is numbered at 25,000. And here the, the author is giving more specifics as to the breakdown of that. 5,000 were gleaned. This is a very murky word here, uh, a way to describe the slaughter that these men and, uh, underwent. The only other time that uh, the word gleaned is used to, in relation to the slaughtering of men is in Jeremiah 6, 9. And the language here has two purposes. First, they, <coughs> the same rare Hebrew verb is used for mocking or abuse. It's used in Judges 19 when describing the rape and abuse of the wife of the Levite. So the term gleaning has to do with abuse and mocking. <coughs> and it's tied in here again with the uh, killing of this, this poor woman. So we see an eye for an eye principle applied here. As they abused the woman, these men were also mocked and abused gleaned unto death. And the uh, second verb, the second uh, use of this verb is in gleaning, it's in Leviticus 19.10 and Deuteronomy 24.21. Benjamin here is pictured as a vineyard, one that is subject to a, an awful, awful harvest. And no one is, <coughs> uh, not only was the main crop harvested, but they went back and picked up the gleanings. Now, if you remember, they were supposed to up later, but they, and the harvest was so bad, they were, everything uh, was taken and nothing was left. So they're applying this to Benjamin. Everything 
So we see that uh, the men of Gibeon not only raped this woman, they had gleaned her so that she was not only harmed but killed. And just so Benjamin is not only uh, to be defeated, but they were gleaned so that it is destroyed as well. So this will help us understand uh, what they're up against after the battle. thoughts or comments about how God, you know, we started off studying this with, with a, a structure. God commands, God's uh, statutes, God's uh, orders, then we see whether men follow it or disobey it, and then we see how God evaluates that, um, that action. So we see here that God had commanded certain things. Benjamin and, and the whole nation of Israel had rejected it. And now we see God passing judgment on them. Any other thoughts? Okay, Brother Ken, would you close us in prayer, please? <laughs>